How many of you can remember back, some of you it was five years ago, some of you it was 105, to when you used to pick teams on the playground or in the neighborhood? You remember that? You know, and you wanted to be chosen, didn't you? Like if there's only going to be 10 get to play and there's 12 kids, you did not want to be 11 or 12. Amen? And really, it really, even if they're picking everybody, you wanted to be chosen kind of first, didn't you? Because if you're the last person picked for kickball, it's a little humiliating for a male, at least. And so you would kind of push your way forward. You might raise your hands or, you know, you, you wanted people to know, you, you, I want to be chosen. I want to be a part of what's fixing to happen. Well, this evening, we are in Second Peter chapter 1. We're going to look at two unusual verses that that really are especially the first one's really pretty difficult to get your hands on so uh but it's in the bible for a reason and i think it has a, a pertinent message for us this evening so let's begin with this make sure you are one of god's chosen god's picking teams fire smoking or non-smoking for eternity do you want to be one of God's chosen? Yes. Yes, only if you have a brain do you want to be one of God's chosen. In verse 10, it says, Therefore, brothers, I'm reading from the English Standard Version this evening. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. We've talked about election, calling, predestination quite a bit last fall. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. Is that not an interesting verse that you probably have read over and just because it doesn't make sense, you read faster? That's what I do in my Bible reading time. You know, you get to the lineages in the Old Testament and it's miraculous how quick you can get through those chapters you speed read. The folks, election and calling here is talking about salvation. It's talking about being part of God's people, being chosen by God. And I want to kind of give you a quick review if you were here some this fall. But it, it, you can't if God's choosing is unconditional and predetermined. Now, if you don't, that makes sense to you. You stay with me. We talked about this fall about trying to understand salvation. And we talked about uh, a, a rise of a new movement of Calvinism, which is an old movement from the 1500s, but where uh, a heavy emphasis on predestination. And one of really the bedrock of Calvinism is, is unconditional election. And what, in a synopsis, what that means is that God it chooses people to be saved and either by default or by choice, he chooses other people not to be saved. Unconditional means exactly what it sounds like. There is no conditions. One pastor in Illinois I heard, he described, he, he was a Calvinist. He said, it's though as God just sticks his hands into the lottery hopper and pulls out names. Boy, that's pretty arbitrary, isn't it? So I want to tell you this evening... If that's what you want to believe, that's fine. We love you and we want you here. We're not going to let you teach but or teach that uh, because we don't believe it's right. But first of all, this verse makes no sense if God's unconditionally already 
predetermined who is and who's not. How in the world can you make sure something that God's already determined in eternity past? Correct? Does that make sense? I mean, that's a, you, you stumble across these kind of verses. Uh, and, and here's the sad part of this, folks. If the unconditional uh, election predestination is true, you can't do anything anyway. You say, well, I'll pray that I'm one of the chosen. That's not going to matter. Well, I'll come down for and give my life to Christ tonight. That ain't going to matter. If you're not chosen, you're not going, friend. So if that's your theology, man, we love you and we want you here. But you've got to play. Theology has hands and feet. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, it, it, good theology plays out in the real world. And whatever you believe, you need to... I, I heard a theologian say this one time. Your theology ought to be good at the gates of a, uh, a concentration camp in Germany in World War II. In other words, you know, a lot of... It'd be kind of hard to preach health and wealth uh, at, at Auschwitz, wouldn't it? And, but good theology plays out anywhere. It plays out in the church house. It plays out in the courthouse. It plays out at a concentration camp. And it should play out in your life. So if, if God's arbitrarily chosen, then... then this doesn't matter, but, but I want to tell you, we can be sure we're one of the chosen. My next big thought. You can be sure. This is in the Bible for a reason. You can be sure that you belong to Christ. Look in verse 10 again. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and collect election. Be all the more diligent to paraphrasing this to make sure that you belong to God so let's real quick let's touch on how this plays out number one God wants everyone to be saved second Peter 3 9 is one of many verses the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises some count slowness but he is patient towards you not wanting who any to perish okay God wants everyone to be saved are you part of everyone most of you are Number two, God has chosen or predetermined all who are in Christ will be saved. You see, it's not that I don't or most Baptists don't believe in predestination and election. We just believe it's in a different way. We believe God's chosen those who are in Jesus Christ. Those are the elect ones. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, it says, Even as he chose us in him... Before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. Verse 5, he predestined us for adoptions as son through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. Folks, remember the word predestination literally means to draw out the boundaries ahead of time. God predetermined from the beginning salvation was going to be in Jesus Christ alone. And listen, that's a pretty narrow boundary, isn't it? Uh, a very narrow boundary. It's not to you and me. So we go, well, what's the big deal about that? It's a hugely narrow boundary. It's not on Baptist, Catholic, Methodist, American, South America. It's on Jesus Christ alone. That is what's the predetermined boundary, is that salvation is in Jesus Christ alone, okay? Number three, you must respond to him. God wants to save everybody. God is predetermined that he's going to save those who are in Jesus Christ. Those in Jesus Christ are the elect. 
You become elect when you come to know Christ. In Ephesians 1.13, listen to what it says. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, look, and you believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Isn't that good? It's, it's good because it means you've got a say in this. Now, th- this doesn't mean that you earn your salvation at all. It doesn't mean that it's not... Uh, salvation is not a, a God thing. It's, it's not us and God working 50-50. Here's the best way to understand salvation. Let's say Zach and I are in the Gulf of Mexico in a boat. Why I'm with Zach in the Gulf of Mexico in a boat, to begin with, call the police. He has kidnapped me. Something has gone wrong. And so Zach's driving the boat, and as you can imagine, he flips us over. And Zach disappears. In a, all I see is a pool of sharks, and Zach's gone. So courageously, I swim as fast as I can away from Zach, right? And I'm in the Gulf of Mexico, and we're 50 miles out from shore. I'm going to die. I don't have a life jacket on. I'm going to die, correct? My, my cell phone's waterproof. No, it's not. It's gone. So I'm going to die. I can't swim to shore. I can't tread water for six days. I can't catch fish and eat them and float in. Uh, some of you might think I can float, but I can't float that long. And then out of nowhere comes a helicopter. And the helicopter drops down a, a rope with a life preserver on there. And they tell me, put your arm in that and let us pull you up. And they, I put my arm in and they pull me up. I get in the helicopter. How crazy would it be for me the rest of my life to brag about saving myself? They saved me, didn't they? But I had to respond. See, you following me? Don't brag about you being saved. Jesus paid it all. We just had to say yes, right? Okay, see, so you, you listen, you play a part. This verse is in the Bible for a reason. And so I want to tell you this evening, you do whatever you have to to make sure you're in Christ. You say, well, I'm a Christian. That's great. This is for you too. We're not done. But some of you tonight are, are doubting your salvation. When Second Peter was written, I believe one of the things they were dealing with was Christians doubting their salvation. And he's wanting to help them be assured. And he tells them, you do whatever you have to do to make sure you're in Christ. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean I do good works? I, I t- yes, you have to, 15% tithe, that's where you start doing that. No, I'm teasing. No, what, what he's saying is, is that you are responsible to do your part. So you need to make sure that you are where you need to be with Jesus Christ. Verse 10, look at, look at this. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent. All the more diligent means with speed and effort and labor. You, this, there's nothing more important tonight than you being sure you're saved. You go home tonight, you're talking to your family, your friends. There's nothing more important than they're sure that they're saved. Friend, if, you, if you're blessed to live 90 years, that, that'd be awesome. I don't think I'll make it 90. Andy may make it to 120. Uh, but you know what? If, if, and Andy would tell you this. If Andy makes it to 120, that's a, that's a, a, a teardrop in eternity. I mean, if you, Alicia one time when she was little, we were, we were walking around an old graveyard and she looked at me and she said, Dad, these people have been dead a lot longer than they were alive. I said, I've got a brain surgeon for a kid. Laugh with me, I'm just joking. But 
she was young and I mean really that was a great point for her because she saw these people were born as old cemetery 1800 they died in 1850 this was 1998 99 been dead a lot longer than they were ever alive so that's why this is the most important thing he says in verse 10 confirm your calling and your election confirm your salvation that word confirm literally in the Greek language was a, a legal term for validating a document to make sure that it was legal and it was up to speed in other words he says to you and me you make sure that your salvation is true that it's valid that it's going to withstand the test of the judgment seat of Christ. I want to give you four ways this evening. Four four simple but but important ways tonight you can know if you're saved. That you can confirm this. It's interesting before I give you these John Calvin the, the founder of Calvinism and I don't think I'm distorting what he said. He kind of believed that we you knew you're saved according to divine decree. What does that mean? I mean, there's nowhere in the Bible it says you can know you're saved if you're called. How do you know if you're called? The, it, it, the Catholic Church and other churches have said for, for centuries that you're saved. It, it has to do with if you're part of our church. And believe you me, I've been a Baptist my whole life, and there's a lot of Baptists that believe that. I guarantee you. If I'm a good Baptist, I'm, I'm going to be saved. But see, salvation's got to be based on the character of God, the Word of God, and then the fruit in our life. Do you get that? The character of God, the Word of God, and the fruit in our life. Here's the four fruit. The Spirit's confirmation in your heart. Now, these aren't going to be on the screens. You can write these down. Romans eight sixteen. I'm going to paraphrase it. Romans eight sixteen basically says that the Holy Spirit testifies to your spirit that you belong to God. Can you remember when you were not a Christian, if you're a Christian tonight, sitting in services and squirming and feeling uncomfortable? That's the Spirit confirming in your spirit you don't belong to God. But when you got saved, there is a peace in your heart that's not an emotion. It's a confirmation from the Holy Spirit. Number two, a love for other people. I was not in when Clayton went over the memory verse. I'll take it by uh, faith that we didn't do well, but... We just normally don't. Sharon got it. Amen. But First John 4, 7 and 8, it says, Dear friends, let us love one another. For everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. And verse 8 says, He who does not love does not know God. Because God is love. Our love for other people. Listen, what does the Holy Spirit say in your heart? And n- number two, do you really love other people? See, that's the problem. A lot of people are religious. They're just not very loving. And that's not going to get you anywhere in eternity. Number three, a love for God and the things of God. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, it says, don't love the things of the world. And it's not talking about the moon and the stars and the raccoons and the possums. Love those things. It's talking about the things that are against Christ. And, and listen, here's, here's something that's bothered me for years, and it should bother you. Uh, and, I, and before I was saved, I would have told you I was just a backslidden Christian. But, but when you hear people say, well, oh, so-and-so's a believer. You know, they joined the church and got baptized. They hadn't been in church in 20 years. 
They have no interest in praying. They don't read their Bible. They just don't have an interest for the things of God. Listen, if the Spirit of God lives in you, you have a desire for the things of God. Okay? And number four, the fourth thing is you don't wallow in sin. Not wallow. I, I couldn't think of a better word. I'm sorry. But that, that, that explains it, doesn't it? Not wallowing in sin. First uh, John chapter 3, verse 6. By the way, First John has five chapters. And First John really is a book trying to help people know that they're saved. And, and you can read that little book in probably ten minutes. And it, it lays it out, everything we're talking about. Before I was a Christian, I, I, I was saved when I was 19. But before I was saved, I was, uh, I, I was really lost. I guess if there's, there's no degrees of loss. But, I mean, I was like a, a uh, I don't know how to, y'all are looking at a party animal. Okay, you understand what that is? And, and so, um, I mean, I can remember driving home at night, and this is terrible, just really I'd been drinking heavy and, and in my, here's what and Proverbs even says this what, you know what I was thinking about I can't wait to do this tomorrow night Proverbs talks about that you, you, know, you know the drunk the drunk goes to bed he's been beat up and he wakes up going I want another drink <laughs> and, and that was me and, and then I got saved I got saved and I got man I mean just overnight I mean all that stuff disappeared from my life and then about seven months later I, I, I was, you know, just an immature Christian. I lost the feeling and the emotion. And so I, man, I just said, I'm going, I'm unhappy. I'm going back to the party life. I know that life. And, and what happened was I was terribly miserable. And I didn't know what it was. I mean, I was just a baby Christian. I didn't know what it was. It was the Holy Spirit. And I, I was sitting in those same bars, throwing down those beers just like I'd done six, eight months earlier. And... I was completely miserable. See, a Christian sins, a Christian just can't enjoy it. Isn't that terrible? (laughs) And no, that's great. (laughs) That's great. That's a proof you're saved. A Christian, we can sin. We can do horrible things. You're just not comfortable in it at all. Y'all agree with me? See, the Bible says that. That's what the Bible teaches. I wish somebody would have told me that when I was a baby Christian. Make sure, confirm your calling and election, your salvation. And the end of this verse, he says, For if you practice these qualities, you'll never fall. What does he mean by that? Well, I think what he's saying there is he's saying, You confirm that you're saved. We looked last week at eight virtues or eight qualities that you hope are in a person's life that need to be growing. And he's saying you confirm your salvation. You stay the course. You keep the path. You may trip, but you're not going to just fall off the path. The, the God's, it's literally the picture there of not falling of a sure-footed horse getting all four feet on the ground and, and being stable where we might stumble. And I think God's saying there, you make sure you're saved. You, you make sure you confirm in your heart that you belong to God and you stay on the path and that path is going to take you where you want to go. Now here's the last thing this evening. That's always what you like to hear. And this is really good. We Christians have a great entrance waiting on us. We have a great... I've never preached these verses here tonight. And so studying this this week was a lot of fun. Look in verse 11. For in this way... 
there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, death is a horrible thing. I mean, we, no matter if a person lives to be 120 and dies of old age, whatever that is, uh, it's always sad. You're losing somebody. And I, I talked to one of our members today who just lost somebody. And, you know, they're really happy about where they are, but it's not good where they are. You, you, you understand what I'm saying? I mean, it's great that they're in heaven, but it's not any fun for us left behind. But I want to tell you, I'm talking about the ones that have gone on ahead of you, but also for you. Death in the end for a Christian. Death in the end for a Christian. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you. That biblical phrase, richly provided, means to be furnished and supplied abundantly. It was used in the Greek culture to talk about a theatrical production. When a theatrical production was put on, it was very expensive. And, and it was talking about somebody just steps up, Reggie Hanchy with all his money, and he just says, I will put on the production. And Mary C. will oversee it all. <laughs> but I'm going to pay for it. And, and, and this is saying, listen, that, that God, what, what's waiting for you God's paid the bill. You know, in John 14, when Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you, he's not making a shack in heaven for you. He, what he's preparing, what he's got uh, ahead for you, he, you can't even imagine. It's Squire Creek on steroids, okay? <laughs> and, and then he says this. He says, for in the... In this way, there will be richly provided you an entrance into the eternal kingdom. The entrance there, it, it was used in, in a couple of ways in the, the Greek society. One way was of the Olympic victor. Athletic games were real big in, in this time. And so when you won a gold medal or you won a medal, you came home. Your whole town celebrated you coming home. And in fact, they said where a lot of places where they had city walls, Lance goes and he wins the Olympics in mud wrestling. And so he comes back to his home place and he pins Josh in three seconds. And, and so he goes back. Listen, they were so proud of you. They cut a new spot in the wall for you to enter in. Isn't that cool? That's what it's talking about there. And, and not only, and I thought about this week, I thought, you know, the Denver Broncos, unless you've been in a coma, there was a Super Bowl uh, Sunday night, and the Broncos won it. And, and on Monday, they had a party in Denver. I think we have a picture. Uh, maybe we do, maybe we don't. There we do. That's, um, that's a picture you can see of, of what was happening. Doesn't that look fun? Unless you're in the middle of it and needed to go to the restroom. I mean... That would have been a lot of fun. They, they estimate over a million people were there for that party because they won the Super Bowl and they made their whole, man, they made their whole state proud of them. And see, that's what God's saying. God said, listen, when you die, you're going to an eternal kingdom, eternal, non-ending, non-transitory, eternal kingdom, the kingdom of who? The Lord Jesus Christ. And he says this. I'm not mad. This is too good. Put it back on the screen. I can't make this up. This is so good. It says, God has 
provided an entrance into the eternal kingdom. Like the Olympic athlete when the, they create a new entrance or like coming back from winning the Super Bowl. It's saying when you walk into heaven and you've lived well here and you belong to Jesus, that God's going to have a grand entrance for you that you can't even imagine. Is that not awesome? I agree with the old timer who died and went to heaven at 110. And he said, if I'd have known it was going to be like this, I wouldn't have exercised and eaten all that oatmeal. <laughs> Amen. What, a, what an awesome thing. God says, confirm that you belong to me. Because the entrance way into this place, much less what lies beyond the entrance, is beyond your imagination. And that entry is prepared by God for you. So I want to ask you a couple of quick questions. If you're a Christian, are you living well? Are you living well? Are you going to crawl in the entrance way? Are you going to be able to walk in and say, Jesus, I failed you a bunch, but I tried. I tried to live for you. Make it right tonight. Maybe you'd like to join our church tonight. We would love for you to. And you can do it after church. You can come and, and we give the invitation a moment and join. We'd love for you to. We can't give you a heavenly entrance, but we can give you a heavenly welcome. <laughs> and you're here tonight and you're not a Christian. Or you're not sure if you are. Listen, tonight you cross that line with Jesus. You don't wait till tomorrow. You cross that line with Jesus tonight. You catch me after church at this door or one of our ministers, or you come right now when we sing. But let's stand. God leads you. You come. We'll be waiting on you.